know, sort of keeping an even keel uh, during this, what is it, 18 games in 17 days or some BS yes. schedule. Get a guy with good peripherals and see if, like, the Pirates just don't know what they're doing. MLB gets this one. Yes. No, uh, we're not giving Manfred no gold stuff. (laughs) No. And welcome to episode number 240 of Artificial Turf Wars, where the Blue Jays are proving that they are Star Trek fans by losing seven of nine. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the meandering Joshua Housem. Josh, you didn't even groan. I was so expecting the groan after that tagline. In fairness, I'd read it ahead of time, and I groaned <laughs> when I read it the first time, and I said, I think I said it was the nerdiest tagline we've had on this show. So I love it. <laughs> 100% required. Uh, I call you the meandering Joshua Housem because we missed a podcast because you were in Milwaukee? Yep. And then I couldn't get home (laughs) because of flight delays. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Well, there's a lot of things delayed. Victories have been delayed. Um, uh, Kikuchi's next start has been delayed by a trip to the the injured list. Kevin Gaussman's start was delayed, possibly. Um, But, you know, there's lots of stuff going on as well. Uh, Jimmy Garcia is back. Uh, We need to talk about the pitching, though. Holy Hannah, do we need to talk about pitching. Uh, And we would talk about the offense, but it's going to take a lot less time because there hardly is any. Um, though we do have starters on the all-star team. So there's some, some good somewhere in this team. Um, Danny Jansen, uh, maybe, uh, maybe back soon because he is rehabbing, uh, which means there's a, a catcher question to be answered. We have your questions to be answered. Several of them, uh, slightly delayed from when we originally thought they were going to happen because of all the internets disappearing on me yesterday. Um, and we have a couple gold stars, one for Vlad Jr. And one for... Can you believe it? We're going to hand one out to the the Major League Baseball Association. Oh, yeah, that's about that's about where we're starting. So, um, this team, uh, I'm not going to say is a bad team because that's not fair. Because they have 45 wins uh, and 40 losses, which is a, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But man, are they playing like a bad team? Like they're doing the best impression of a bad team you could possibly do. Oh yeah. Um, I, I look, they, we'll get to the hitting, but it really does start with the pitching. Okay. So they, they can't have starters that go more than five innings. Um, and that just crushes. And then the bullpen is bad. So it just, it just, it's horrible and horrible upon horrible. You know, Brio set a couple of decent starts in a row, <clears throat> which is nice, but Gossman got injured. Uh, Manoa had his worst start of the season. And then Stripling just doesn't go more than five. And then you have Casey Lawrence and, Thomas Hatch, who combined, <laughs> yes, combined have thrown 13 innings and given up 21 runs, which is not good. Like when you bring in that bulk starter, or you try and you know pull off a a bullpen day or whatever else, you you are counting on not more runs than inning, innings pitched, right? You're not expecting them to be great. But they have to get you somewhere into the game. And it, it's been an abysmal failure. And then, as as noted, I'm sure, on the broadcast a million times, um, a bullpen that it, in its current configuration has 9 to 12 outs in it is, is trying to get 15 to 18 outs without, you know, falling apart in little bits all over the mound. And none of it works. None of it. And, like, even just as an example... You have this thing where yesterday Ross Stripling goes five. Which is his job, gives up two, to be clear. He gives up two. <laughs> goes five and gives up two. Like, that's all you ever want from Ross Stripling. That's a very fine start. But then when the game went 11, Sergio Romo is pitching with a tie game. And that's just, it's not the situation that you want to be in. Um, but they, it's just unavoidable because they just don't have quality relievers. I mean, you know, <clears throat> so the guys they can count on are still Romano, Phelps, Simber, Jimmy Garcia, who's back, and Meza. That's the list. And then, the, but they have three more guys, a rotating three guys, <laughs> who just continually, when they come into the game, they put it out of reach. And that just you can't be doing that constantly and hope to win. 
Yeah, and, and I think if, if you brought in your, you know, Trent Thornton's of the world and they gave up, uh, or Trevor Richards of the world, and they gave up a solo home run or, you know, uh, they got knocked around a bit, got their three outs, but allowed one run, you'd be like, okay, well, that sucks, but these are these guys are not going to have any area of one or two. We can work with that. It seems more often than not, when they come in, it's a crooked number that goes up. And it's like, well, the, you didn't even get out of the inning, and now I'm down by three runs. So what the heck? Like, you you made it worse in every possible way. You didn't even let the team keep its head above water. Yeah, and that's been a, that's been a team problem all season, really, where – yeah. They just they just can't keep it close. And the Jays end up they'll score seven runs but still lose ten seven because when the starter left the game it was five to one. So yeah. the bullpen can't give up another five. But that I mean that's this is non specific example, but it keeps happening. And it needs to not. <laughs> and then obviously the starting like we said, the starting rotation, like you say Kikuchi, for example, was just Oh my goodness. What what even was that the last two starts? Like he had one good start in there. Sorry, so it would be the, his his third last and and last start. What what? Well, here's his <laughs> here's his inning logs, dating back to the beginning of June. Four and two thirds, two thirds, four four two six, which is the good one you're talking about. Two and a third. So that basically that's every time you go through the turn or the rotation, your bullpen just gets destroyed. And uh, that, so the walks in that last start. Now maybe he was already hurt, and and you know that was part of the problem. But I think if you if you walk eight people in a game, which was was the total I believe for the whole staff at that point. If you walk eight yeah, people, he, in had, a game, he you, had five and two he and had a third. Five, five walks and two and a third. I think you should just automatically lose. I think that's a forfeit. If you walk, you walk eight people in a game. Uh, they didn't really hit anything. They just waited around. It was excruciating. I don't really understand what exactly is going on with Kikuchi because he has the highest walk rate of his career, and it's not close. I mean, I mean his worst walk percentage season was 3.6 percentage points lower than this year. The strikeouts are there. The... You know, he's still giving up a few more home runs than he normally does, but not egregiously. But he just can't throw strikes, and I have no idea what happened. It's like if you look at what Kikuchi had done in the past, you said, okay, he's had some decent, had had a good season ish last year, but you could see him improving on it because he had a fantastic first half. He's having a worse season for no reason. It's really bizarre, and you can tell his confidence is is quite low in terms of he shakes to the slider regularly. He's shaking Kirk off to the slider because he thinks he can throw the slider for a strike, but he can't get the fastball in the zone. And that's just mind blowing, right? Like it's a fastball. It, all you have to do is aim for the glove. Like <laughs> nothing fancy should be happening here. And you've been a professional pitcher for years. Like it's again, a rookie coming up who doesn't have confidence in one of his pitches, right? I, that kind of makes sense in my head, right? They might, you know, you might be worried that they're going to hit that pitch or, or whatever else. But Kikuchi's been doing this much longer than should be um, should be necessary for a crisis of confidence. Yeah, and because of what what has happened with the way he's pitching, righties are just tuning him up. They have a three ninety eight on base and a five twenty six slugging because a slider from a lefty that's not a Chris Sale slider is going to be a good pitch to hit from a righty. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna cut in a bit, but if you can if you know it's gonna be in the zone, you can zero yeah, in on it, that pitch. Especially if it's the only one you can throw in the zone. So they in that start against Tampa, he threw some more cutters. So it's a little different velocity band. Back went back to his cutter again, and it worked, and then it didn't work in the last outing. But it's I'm out of answers. I don't know what's going on there, and I obviously the Jays don't either. Yeah, I mean, every time Charlie throws him under the bus, you can tell that they've obviously had a game plan and Kikuchi was not able to follow it, whatever it was. Yeah. All right, well, we've we just rained on Kikuchi's parade, but it, it, we've just kicked a man who's literally down on the injured list. So moving right along. Yeah. Uh, um. So Kevin Gaussman was 
the first start of the doubleheader against Tampa. This is when things all started to go south because they did win the first two games against Tampa, and it looked like, you know, this team was at, at the very least, you know, sort of keeping an even keel uh, during this. What is it? Eighteen games in seventeen days, or some BS? Yes, schedule. Um, that also, I understand the strike led us there, and other teams have to do it too. Lockout. Don't call it a strike. Sorry, the lockout. My bad. The um, the lockout led us there, but gosh. You could tell it it does not offer any kindnesses to anybody's pitching staff to be playing this much this often. Um, but yeah, Gosper took a uh, a liner off of his ankle. Of course, he took it in the second inning, so that just kind of screwed the rest of the the, the doubleheader for them. Second inning of the first game of a doubleheader, yeah. like you said. So it's like, and then the second game was being started by Thomas Hatch who ended up just having to eat it. Like he gave up 10 runs in four and two third because it's like, well, we have no pitchers left. You just got to stay out there. But yeah, yeah I mean, did, did you get Kevin Mench flashbacks <laughs> when this happened? <laughs> That's a throwback. That's... Yeah. Ooh. That was well, I mean, there was a risk. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, there, there was a risk that it could have broken his ankle. Exactly what happened to Halliday. Well, Halliday was a shin, but same thing. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and especially because Gossman had had that stretch of you know not great starts and then his last two starts prior to this he had turned back into exactly the guy he had been at the beginning of the season i mean he's not walking nobody anymore but two walks per game you can live with that Mm -hmm. especially when it comes with 10 strikeouts against boston and then he was cruising mostly against tampa until he got hit and yeah, that that put the Jays in his, in a bind, and that's why Casey Lawrence started another game, <laughs> and again, it didn't go very well. Um, yeah, so that means that we, you know, I, I think that's all that needs to be said about Gaussman. He he missed the the extra turn. It looks like he he might go and take his turn this time. It's good in the sense that he's not. We're not dealing with like a shoulder issue or forearm tightness or something. But I mean, a huge bruise that you can't push off on your pushing foot. Not good. <laughs> well, and especially the thing that people might not grasp completely, and I forgive them if they don't, if he's hurting, even if he can do it, if he's sore, the risk isn't that he's going to injure his ankle more. The risk is that he'll subconsciously adjust his pitching motion to deal with it and injure something much worse. That's the Dizzy Dean theorem. of That's what I was just going to say. Exactly yeah. the that's the exact example. He injured his foot and it ruined his career. I like the the, the best example we have of that actually happening is in the, from the 1930s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's because people got smarter about it after that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, yeah. So this means that that we're still potentially, you know, if Gaussman is not 100% or realizes that, you know, after 50 pitches, it's starting to swell up and not feel right, we could be back to this bullpen. Which, how does how do they reinforce this bullpen, and how soon should they have done it if it's not yesterday? Well, I mean, the answer is that they should have done it as soon as possible. But you know, you can only trades take two teams, right? It's like there's yeah. a, you know, last year they got Simber really early because the Marlins were like, well, take some money off our books, you know, like that's not going to be available to you every year. And Richards was a swap that they had a the Brewers had a need and they didn't have need in their bullpen and just worked out. But that's not especially with extra playoff teams this year. It's just not easy to do early. Well, I, I so, think also the schedule has, as I I just alluded to, has has made pitching more dear, right? Because yeah, tougher <laughs> to trade a reliever. Like yeah, you may have six good relievers and you know last year and be like, well, okay, we've got six. We don't need the seventh guy. Now it's like, oh my god, we need eight. Yeah, and and the the whole position players pitching thing has gone into joke territory, um, and you can't bring them in if it's less than a five run uh, deficit or, or differential. Um, so yeah, I I'm it's one of those times when I think way back in you know 2012 we were looking for the the Sam Dyson of the world, right? Some or someone in the minors who was ready to convert into the bullpen. And the answer here was Nate Pearson. And Nate Pearson is, surprise, injured. Yeah. So there is another answer that could be interesting. Yasver Zulueta. Do you know I'm not going to say that. No, nope, not a clue. And I'm, I'm definitely not trying to say that. 
so he was a Cuban import from a they just signed him a few years ago. Um, he throws a hundred. The issue is he's had some injury issues, right? So like he hasn't pitched that much in the minors, but he, th- he he's 24. It's not like he's a kid. He throws a hundred miles an hour with a good breaking ball. Actually two, he has a good curveball and a very good slider. He's in double A right now starting, but he's got 63 strikeouts and 41 innings in the minors. And he has to be added to the 40 man next year. I think, it's just like, screw it. Stick him in the major league bullpen to get some fire back there because they need some power pitching. Yeah, they need swing and miss. Um, and other than the closer, who you really can only use in certain situations, who has also not been very good on the road, um, they don't have any swing and miss. Like, none. <laughs> no, so, and this is what he brings. So, And look, I, it's like it's not great for his development because he has, he's barely pitched. And since 2018... Like from the end of the 20, when they signed him after the 2018-19 foreign season, he threw one inning prior to this year. That's in three years. He threw one inning. One. He, mm. he, came, he came back for, actually no, one batter. He came back for one batter and got hit by a comebacker. Wow. Um, I think it was that, or he got injured somehow. But um, And then this year he's finally healthy and he's made it all the way to double A, but screw it. Use the arms, use the innings in the bullpen. Uh, yeah, he can go back and start again next year. He's not going to throw that many innings this year, anyways. No, we're already in July, which is kind of crazy. Okay, so there was our maybe answer for three outs out of the fifteen that they're trying to get every night. Uh, thank you. You can uh, Ross Atkins. You can email Josh a check. Uh, you, this problem could be partially solved though if the offense would bail them out once in a while. Yeah, it was happening in June. Yeah. Um, where the I mean the Jays offense stole some games in June. The Jays had the best offense in baseball in the month of June and they went twelve and twelve. Which says a lot about what we just said about the pitching. But this month it's been the opposite. The the hitting just hasn't been there. I mean, they only have three guys who with an OPS over seven fifty this month. It's Espinal at seven sixty four, Vlad at eight thirty eight, and Lourdes Guriel at one 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 two. Because Guriel <laughs> is on fire. I was gonna say I love when Lourdes Guriel gets hot and you look at him in that small, you know, box, whatever that your sample size box is, and you're like, wow, this guy, this he must be one of baseball's greatest hitters. And you get to the end of the year and his OPS is like seven fifty every year, you know, seven seventy five. It's like it's usually in the eight hundreds, but yeah. But but it's like, well what where is where is the world beating Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? It's like he only shows up after certain phases of the moon. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, he just seems to hit when it's hot. I don't know. I mean, th- just to illustrate this, Bradley Zimmer is the only other guy who could even meet this list, but he only has eight at bats because he hit a home run. But <clears throat> it's bad. Even Kirk, you know, in this month again, it's only eight games. He's hitting two forty one with a two sixty seven on base and a two seventy six slugging. And he's been the best hitter on the team all season. So if he's not going, then it's a problem because especially Springer and Bichette have not hit since the beginning of June. Of June. Yeah, and, and we saw this in April where you cannot chain together enough of the the players who are hot to generate a run, right? Like I think last night's game, it went, uh, it was like force out, single, line out, uh, Single walk strikeout. Hmm. So you got three three players on base, but no extra base hits in there, and and no uh, productive at bats. Right. It was just like, okay, I guess. Yeah. We need a little more in that gap somewhere. One other guy has to be good uh, and and be productive. And it, that's you know that's just one example. But there's been lots of innings where. Runners get on base, guys get to third, and then strikeout, strikeout, or pop out, fly out, or it's, the number no, it, of times, it, ha- yeah. it hasn't it hasn't been good. I mean, especially like in last night's game, we're recording this Saturday morning because of weird travel, and then Rogers not working. But um, not my fault, by the way. Just for the record, I didn't I didn't do that. <laughs> it was Greg. We 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 have it on record. <laughs> Greg screwed up the entire country. Yeah, it was but, tough. Uh, but I, I came through. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, they were two for 20 with runners in scoring position. <laughs> and they had the run, they had the extra free runner on base in extra innings twice and couldn't score. 
that's always embarrassing. I'll be honest. That's just, you know, just embarrassing. Yeah. And it's just been, it's been the thing of late and it was the thing in April and May, right? Like June sort of, they hit the way you think they should hit. And it's back to, again, it's a very small sample size, right? It's like eight games in July, even though it's somehow eight games in July and in, in, or nine games in July in eight days because of nonsense. But <clears throat> it's a, it's a it's a worry, and they have to, with the pitching the way it is, the the offense has to perform. Yeah, more often than not, and that's not where they're at. And not to say they can't get back there, but I would I would say on a larger picture, like obviously the Jays are not going to win the division because the Yankees have decided that if, it turns out when you build a powerhouse team and actually keep them all healthy, um, they can destroy the world. Uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, uh, but, I, but I I don't even understand that, like. I, I know you. I'll you make your point, then I'll come back to it. But but this kind of stretch is the difference between home field advantage in the playoffs and not right. Like we'll look in September and we'll go, oh, they just need to win one more game or two more games to get ahead of this team or whatever else to try. And again, I'm assuming they're going to make the playoffs because there's a million playoff slots, right? Um, but it's this kind of stretch that affects the advantages that you can have going to the playoffs, your, your, your time that you can rest some, some of the bullpen when the games don't matter so much in September, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that kind of knock on effect, it always, these, these sections of the season depress me, not because the season's over, but because they make things more difficult down the line. And the team has a talent level. You would think to not have a 10 game stretch like this in July, especially against the teams they've been playing. I mean, Tampa is very flawed this year. I mean, the Jays, like the Tampa, they, they should have won most of those games. They just their pitching was so bad that the offense couldn't do anything. And then they played the worst team in baseball this year, the A's, and lost two of three. Yeah. And they've lost two of two as of recording this to Seattle. So it's like it's not like they're rolling through the schedule they had in April, right? They they should be beating these teams, and they're just not. So like it, it's they're really much they're very much treading water right now. As you said, they're still in a postseason spot because Cleveland is bad. Like they keep losing. I mean, Baltimore is only four games back. Is that's how <laughs> bad like the the setup is right now. But yeah, the home field is. I, I mean, even just from a financial standpoint, if you get two home playoff games or three, that's very good for your ability to sign guys the next year. Let alone the boost you get from playing at home. Yeah. Um, you had another point, though, I think. Now I, well, I was going to just talk about the Yankees. Like, you look at the Yankees, like their offense, which has all these star players, isn't actually doing that well. Like, the only guy who's having a legitimately great season is Aaron Judge, who's having the best season in baseball. But, well, him or Jordan Alvarez. But it's like Anthony Rizzo is second on their team in OPS at 844. And then they only have four guys over 800. But their pitching has just come out of nowhere like, they just don't give up runs and and it starts with their starters don't walk people um, and the blue jay starters do and we saw how well that worked for kevin gaussman for a month yeah <laughs> pro tip <laughs> to walk people just makes it easy on everybody um yeah alec Manoa is better when he doesn't walk people as well or hits amazing well you know i mean Hitting them does put the fear of God into them, so there's there's at least that advantage. Um, Fair enough. Nevertheless, we do have two all-star starters on the team, uh, Vlad Jr., which I think, popularity contest or no, I think Vlad Jr. was going to be the all-star. He's going to be the all-star first baseman for a number of years because of the name recognition and everything else and the quality of his play overall. Uh, but Alejandro Kirk becomes the first Blue Jay catcher selected to start the All-Star game, which is is pretty cool. It is cool. And he was one of the leading vote-getters in all of baseball, which is amazing. Yeah, I Thanks. mean, uh, he, he has certainly made an impression far and wide in the game. And I think, uh, <laughs> I think he's kind of inspirational to people who do not do not look like a baseball player. That he can he can do so much on the field and with the bat, um, and uh, and he's just doing it his way. Even keel and uh, stubby little legs and yeah, all you do and is short it. little arms. Yeah. yeah, I mean I understand why Blue Jays fans would vote for Kirk, and just you look at his numbers, like everybody should vote for him. But I just didn't know he was that 
people knew about him that much around the league. Obviously, like when you look at the when you try to vote, it shows you everyone's stats. So they're probably like, oh my god, this catcher's hitting three ten, like with a nine hundred <laughs> OPS. Yeah, I'm going to vote for that guy because you know catchers are horrible hitters. But still, it was kind of cool that this guy that we think of as like no one knows who this is is little, like the third leading vote getter. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's super awesome, and I think um, it'll be a fun opportunity for him and for Vlad to to be out there you know I, I I always think it's it's really neat to see like when Roy Halladay started the all-star game with Aaron Hill behind him he wasn't voted in as second baseman I think he was actually like the first reserve because Pedroia was hurt or something but it just looks cool to see two Blue Jay uniforms in the starting lineup um anytime it happens um yeah so catcher and first baseman Congrats. Uh, everybody else kind of fell off. I, I'm not really upset that Bobochette didn't get voted in as, <laughs> as the All-Star shortstop. Because that was like the ultimate name recognition popularity contest selection, right? Yeah. So, like, you talk about Vlad, right? Vlad is a superstar. And I think that guy should always – just like Juan Soto should be in the All-Star game. I don't care if he's having a horrible first half. He's freaking Juan Soto. He should be there. Um, but Bobochette – is not that like he's not he's a good player and he's been a, been a good player for the Blue Jays but he's not on that level of superstardom where he should play and I'm glad he didn't I'm glad he's going to get some time off and Espinal is going to get some time off and Springer for sure and they they, they they're not going to go they're not going to go to the All Star game now like they're not going to get selected because they're not good enough but it'd be nice for them to get some rest because those guys have played a lot and they've been struggling so let them reset. Vlad can go and just hang out, you know, play, have one at bat or two. Kirk can get a couple at bats, and then that'll be that. And it also lets the, it makes it more likely that a guy like Manoa will get selected because there's more spots available. Yeah, um, Vlad did pass on the home run derby, which um, he's been been very careful with the wrist this year because of an issue that he's had. He's I, I read the interview with him where he was talking about doing consistent treatment and strengthening exercises on his wrist. I think probably taking like a hundred swings in one night, trying to hit the ball all the way is probably the worst thing in the world for a hitter's wrist. So I'm okay with him, him taking a pass on that. Yeah. He said that it, it caused some problems a couple of years ago when he did it. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really fun spectacle, but if it, if it's going to impact things that happen after, yeah, there's got to be another way to do it for, you know, I, I almost would like the, 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 all the home derby to be, you know, after the World Series in October, it would be, I think you'd get more buy-in from guys who knew that they had months to recover from it, not, you know, a couple of days. Yeah. Um, just, <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're talking about this this rest thing, right? You know, just for, for Vlad mm-hmm. there, but it's it, it's one of those things where <laughs> the the players obviously get hurt by this, right? Because they get bonuses for making the all-star team. Mm-hmm. But is there anybody happier than the Blue Jays that they didn't get in? I mean, seriously, like did did, did the Blue Jays do the Rogers outage so that those guys wouldn't get the votes? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's the ultimate inside job hack for the strangest reason you've ever speculated on, but okay. <laughs> I'm trying to You're... resolve you, Greg. Oh God, you heard it here first, and I, do, I wish you hadn't. Um <laughs> The last note that we have of things that happened this week uh, is Danny Jansen is in rehab games, which means that if he does come back, you know, uh, by the end of the week, which tends to be the way things go on these now fairly short rehab assignments, is we have a the same question we asked a while ago. Don't we, Zach Collins or Gabriel Moreno? Yeah, I think it's Collins. I think it should be Collins. I think Moreno needs to go back down and play every day. He's starting to get a little overwhelmed. It's like he's not playing that well this month. And then just like, let him go down. Let him play. I knew he's you'd come not... around. <laughs> no, but, no, but I always said if he was raking, you keep him up. He's not. I, I'm just making funny. You don't have to defend. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully Danny Jansen will come back and, and OPS around 900 just like Kirk was. And then it'll be impossible to decide uh, who should catch on any given night other than, you know, whose personal catcher is whose. Yeah. Um, there's one more thing just before we, we didn't mention that they brought in Anthony Banda. Um, I, I jokingly called him Anthony Band-Aid in our chat. Uh, <laughs> Because that's what he is. I mean, I, I'm okay with the Jays trying this idea where get a guy with good peripherals and see if, like, 
the Pirates just don't know what they're doing. Like they like what happened with Clay Holmes last year. Like if he was terrible with the Pirates, comes over now he's the best reliever in baseball for the Yankees, of course. And I'm fine with the concept. Guy who strikes guys out, you know. But why are you using him as an opener, a left-handed pitcher against the Mariners, whose best hitters all bat right-handed? Like, uh, what are they doing? <laughs> I didn't get that at all. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, well, they, they wanted to get him in there before they were down by eight runs. <clears throat> yeah, I guess. He helped but out. It was just, I just didn't understand the decision-making there. It's like their leadoff hitter is Julio Rodriguez, right-handed. Their best hitter, other than him, is Ty France. Right-handed. <laughs> their next, the next guy after them was Carlos Santana, who's a switch hitter, and it's just like a switch hitter who hits just as well this in his career, one versus the other. So it's with more power against righties. So I just don't really, uh, whatever. <laughs> Maybe they'll figure it out next time, Josh. There's always next time. But yeah, but overall, better numbers actually against lefties. So there you go. Like it. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> Thanks. I That's hate the it. note we're going to questions on. Yeah, exactly. On that note, Josh hates it. We'll be right back. Well, I roam from town to town. I go through life without a care. And I'm as happy as a clown. And we are back after a brief break. I am feeling 100% refreshed. And that means we are ready to answer the most important questions in the world. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? I'm going to be that guy today, and I'm going to let you ask the first question, Josh, just to throw a wrench in things. Okay, so the first email <laughs> question comes in from email from Todd Bartlett. Hi, Todd. Hi, Todd. Biggio leading off? Big moment in the ninth of the A's game, and we have a bench player up. I'm frustrated that the Jays added one arm to a bullpen that was not good enough last year and expect things to change. What is this team doing? <laughs> not, not frustrated at all. So for the first part of your question about Biggio leading off, I am going to do the Brad Pitt thing from Moneyball. And I am going to say, why is he leading off? And I'm going to point to Josh, who is Jonah Hill. And he's going to say, he gets on base. <laughs> Thank you. I tried to do it in my Jonah Hill, like <laughs> flat. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why Biggio is leading off because I don't know if you've looked lately, but over the last month he has like a three, three eighty something or three ninety something OBP. Um, you want a guy who can consistently get on base, and although Biggio does not hit for power anymore because baseballs, literally baseballs, um, he still has incredible judgment of the strike zone. Uh, which is something that you cannot teach anybody else. Um, so he's going to. As for the other part, cool. yeah, about the adding two arms now, Romo and Banda, lovely. It's that's just what's available right now. Like, <laughs> if you look around the league, there's no good. A lot of teams lead relievers, and no one's getting traded. Uh, yeah, um, it's. I think we went over it beforehand. It's. It's just what. What is there? What is possible? So, uh, yeah, we move to the next question from Andrew Rushpler at a Rushpler. Um, Lourdes Gurriel's OPS from June 1st by year. Uh, 836, 868, 882, 867, and this year, 936. Um, and which is to say that 872 from June on in his career average. Um, is, is it just, even, that's, that was sent before his crazy July, so it's actually even higher. Is it that did he just need hot weather? We alluded to this earlier. I think it was probably on your mind. But what do you think? Does, is, is he really is his is Cuban roots showing through? Is <laughs> yeah, used to the warmth? <laughs> I I find it hard to believe that this can be the case with hitters. That like they need. I mean, well, it is easier to hit in hot weather. The ball flies farther, so that might help someone who doesn't have great power but has okay power. But as for like his approach changes, I, I think it's just he might just need longer spring trainings or something because he he there's no real reason that the warmth should do it. Um, but it, I mean, and the other thing is he plays in a climate controlled stadium half the time in, in April and May. So why, like, does he actually need it to be like swelteringly hot to be good? Because that seems like I, something you would want to adjust to as a player pretty quickly. If your if your hands aren't stinging from 
from you know being numb and, and trying to hit uh shouldn't it all be kind of equal in the end who knows mm. uh so two questions from colleen evans at colleen evans six so the first one uh if greg bird had chosen to stay with the jays this season do you think he would have been playing with the major league team he's hitting 222 with a 329 base and a 364 slugging in the minor so no uh question two also josh as a pitcher how much of a nightmare is it watching kikuchi struggles oh boy this could be a long answer play out in the major leagues i find it very unusual the jays are keeping him in the majors to make these adjustments well he's no longer in the majors because he has the neck injury which is like the same joke about trevor richards right it's like from turning your head too fast to watch the lasers fly by but except he just walks people so it doesn't even yeah, fit it's not even a... well he goes walk 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 bomb right so it's mm -hmm. um it's tough. Uh, it's hard to like. I was. You know, I went off on this in the office. Like, I, I went into this the, in the first part of the podcast where I just I don't understand what is wrong. So, from a viewer, it's really tough just seeing someone walk, 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 walk. But as him, it's got to be an actual nightmare because it's like he's not used to this and he probably has no idea what's going wrong. And you can see his confidence is shattered and Manoa trash and Manoa Montoyo trashing him in the media after a restart probably isn't helping. It's like, he doesn't say that about any other pitcher. Like Brios was awful for the first two and a half months of the season, three months. And he's always like, Oh, he's, yeah, he'll pull around. He's pull, he'll pull it around. And then, <laughs> and then Kikuchi is like, well, he can't just keep doing this. He's got to be better. He's got to be better. It's like, the different messaging probably really weighed on him, and it's really it really is tough. Yeah. I I'll read the next those, one. All those things, yes. Okay, this is from Joe at Jokus108. He has two questions also. The first one, is there a role for Ross Stripling with the team next year? Would an extension make sense for either party, and what would it look like if so? Because he is a free agent at the end of the year. How old is Ross? 32, 33? I mean, I, th I think... I offer him a contract based on the fact that he has done everything that the team has asked him to do with an above average level of success without complaint. Right. Like sure. He, and he's still a quality pitcher. There's nothing wrong with his stuff. He hasn't had any major injuries, right? I think he had a hip, what's a hip thing last year, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, again, I, I love a guy like stripling on my team because he does, what he's asked with a hundred percent effort um, without complaining, uh, like the opposite of uh, certain fifth starters they brought in before. Um, so yeah, I, I, a two-year contract or something, obviously you can't give him, you're, you're not giving him a hundred million dollars because he is a five inning starter and a useful bulk reliever, but I would certainly offer him up a contract before he walked away from the team. hundred percent. Yeah, I, I would too. Uh so he's one of the very few free agents that Blue Jays even have on this roster, which will make making changes a little difficult. But uh, I think some team will be willing to put him in their rotation full time. And I think that team will not be the Blue Jays. So it makes sense for the Blue Jays, but it might not make sense for Stripling. Fair enough. So, yes, there is a role for him with the team, but there might be a better role with some other team. Yeah, know, that's where I stand on it. Yeah. Um, and then the other question from Joe, which Jays draft pick would you most like to see eventually make it to the majors in a Mark Appel style story? Mark Appel was, was it nine years in the minors? Well, not technically no, because he left baseball. He just quit. And then he came back. It's tough to match up to that story. <laughs> it's Max Pentecost. That's the same guy. I mean, he was not a first overall pick, but he was a first rounder who had some injuries and then he just like said it was enough and he didn't want to do it anymore. So that's the Blue Jays one. Sometimes these questions are easier when you actually follow drafts, which I tend not to do because. Oh, I, I absolutely had to look up on on like Wikipedia who the Blue Jays draft picks were to remember who they were. Uh, yeah, because all I remember is that they pick a guy like TJ Zoik first overall and then I, you know, that's the end of that. <laughs> wasn't first overall <laughs> first, first, first round. rounder right <laughs> for them their first pick sorry yeah. not first overall um yeah uh steven 0159 at 1959 steven says it would be nice if you could discuss some constructive analytic information criticism based on team needs now and in the future of who the three jays catcher will be the first to be traded take into account as many aspects consideration as possible uh wow that's that's a high bar have you heard our answers to questions <laughs> We could try. All right. So on, on the catcher thing, 
I think we talked about this on a recent podcast, but uh, I think that the answer is Danny Jansen, but not now, because it's very hard to trade Jansen now because, well, when he's injured, but even when he's back, because he's only got two years left after this of his contract of team control. So a, a rebuilding team is not going to trade for that guy. The only team that's like on the bubble that could maybe do it would be like the Tigers or something, you know, but otherwise it's going to be contenders that want Danny Jansen, but contenders aren't going to give you the pitching you need or they just don't trade pitching. <laughs> yeah. Um, not, not at the major league level. And when it comes to Moreno and Kirk, you can only trade one of them if you're getting a superstar back. I mean, you're not, they're not going to get a superstar straight up for them, but they only headline a package for a superstar. So yeah, if the angels make Shohei Otani available, you of course would trade either of them in my opinion. Um, or like, you know, like the Jays would have been talking about it for Jose Ramirez, but that's the kind of level of player you need if you're trading one of those guys. And I, and it just doesn't seem like any of those type players are going to be available this off uh, until the, the off season. Yeah. And, and this would probably be a more difficult question if Danny Jensen had ever spent three months straight uninjured, but it feels like he's never done that. Um, so he's, yeah, it's but hard to tell what think- he is. Yeah, but even then, it's like, I don't think anybody will ever view Danny Jansen as a centerpiece for a superstar. No, because, yeah, because like you said, all the things you just highlighted. Uh, whereas Gabriel Moreno still has that that potential, and Alejandro Kirk has proved that he can hit at the major league level any day. Like a superstar. Week. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that's the answer to this question. As for, like, when or who will be get traded, I get it just really depends on who's available. Like I said, like if... If the Nationals get frustrated trying to talk to Juan Soto and they're like, oh, we're going to trade him, then it's it's not Danny Jansen who gets dealt. It's someone else. But otherwise, I think it's probably Jansen. All right. And our last question is if we get in the time machine and ride it back to June 22nd um, because we uh, have not podcasted in a while due to circumstances beyond our control. uh, L at L-E-L-A Hart says, Romano was throwing 95 again in the blown save. And I think that was... I remember which blown save it was. Thoughts on what's going on with his yo-yo velocity outing to outing? Hmm. Oh, geez. Um, it's it's worrying. Um, I, I think that some of it has to do with workload, both too much and then too little. It's 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 hard to stay sharp in that scenario. But yeah, it's. You know, it, it, it's it's tough to have an answer. He doesn't seem hurt, but he does need to throw harder, more consistently to be successful. I, I don't know if hurt is the word. I, hurting, maybe. I, I'm guessing when he gets used back to back because of the extremely heavy workload at the beginning of the season, I, I have a feeling there's there's some lingering fatigue there that he's okay for 15 pitches. But when you're when you're going, you know, 20 pitches one night and then they bring you back for another 20 the next night because you're having, you know, not, not perfect control, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think he wears down pretty quickly. I, I don't think he's, as oh. he's, you know, been, been stressed. I, I don't think he's built. Um, sure. But this is what, this is his game logs for June, June mm. 7th, June 12th. Okay. So May 31st was the previous one before June 7th. So big off. Mm. Then, then June twelfth, another big day, big rest day. Then fifteenth, then nineteenth, twenty first, twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and then again, not again until the fourth. I mean, so he's yeah. had a lot of time off in June, and I think that may have adversely affected him as well. I think there's, like I said, there's too much rest and too little rest. And when you when you don't pitch for seven days, you can't throw side sessions as a reliever because you might be needed that day. Yeah. So you can't like you don't want to throw a side session and then be like tired when you come out to actually pitch. So I think that that could be also causing some rust and some mechanical issues that could lower the velocity. And an off day might help because you could throw a side session on an off day if you hadn't pitched for three days. <laughs> we don't get any off days. Yeah. Smacks head thoroughly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is going to be. I don't think there's ever going to be a firm answer on that, though, right? Like, this no. is always going to be speculation. Yeah, we we just we're not we're not going to be given the information to answer this question. 
You know what's not speculation though? What? When we had when we hand out gold stars. I think that's rather brilliant. <laughs> so I did good, right? I mean I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. I am going to hand out a Vlad, uh, gold star to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Not for something he did on the field, uh, that he did for something in foul territory. <laughs> Go um, for it. He took his last at bat uh, in Oakland uh, and ran down to first base at a, at a good hard clip trying to beat out a ground ball. Failed to beat out the ground ball. And Oakland has the in-play uh, bullpens in foul territory. And he just he kept running. It was a hot day. He saw the shade, I think, down on the bench. And he just ran. Nobody's warming up. He ran right through the uh, the mounds and went and, and took a seat and decided to get just a little different perspective on the game from the uh, from the right field bullpen bench. Hey, Jace could use extra arms down there. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I would have been like, you want to get up and warm up? I guess. Sure. Why not? I mean, anything. I think... Uh, I think the, for, for the the players beside him to not really even turn and blink that Vlad just showed up in the bullpen was also hilarious. <laughs> it was like, oh, I think it's a lot doing? about about Vlad <laughs> 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 and how the team views him. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, buddy. It's uh, good to have you down here. You want to catch? You want to? You want to pitch? You want to just chill? You want some sunflower seeds? Um, I I just enjoy that Vlad. Even things are good, things are bad on the field. He. He's always willing to just not, you know, not cry over everything that's happening. He, he embraces whatever whimsy and fun is going on on the baseball field. So good on you, Vlad. Gold star. Yeah. You wanted to hand out a gold star to someone who we've handed out more do-overs and complaints to in our 200 plus episodes than I would, I would care to count. But they get a gold oh, star this time. Definitely more than anybody. Well, this is... I don't know if this actually came from Rob Manfred. So it's MLB gets this one. Yes. No, we're not but, giving Manfred no gold star. <laughs> no, never. Um, so they, they announced uh, this came out on July 5th. Um, they, they said, like, in addition to the players selected to the Oscar game, the commissioner may now choose to add one player that he selects to each league's roster in recognition of each player's career achievements. Then this, so this, as a result, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera are going to the All Star Game, and I think I just think that's right. I, I think that honoring inner circle Hall of Famers whose careers are winding down and will never make another All Star team on merit, and people won't vote for them anymore because they're somewhat out of the consciousness on that level. I think it's the right move, and it allows these guys to be recognized and appreciated by not just the fans, but also the players who came after them and who have been a part of this journey. This, to me, is a is a great callback to I think it was nineteen ninety two. Let's start maybe ninety three. Uh, no, it was after that. Sorry, Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah, two thousand two. That was two thousand two. Yep, being. Uh, you know, being in the All-Star lineup, and then Alex Rodriguez, you know, the heir apparent to to the Hall of Fame uh, shortstop position, switching with him on the field, saying, hey, I'll go play third base, because Cal was playing third base at that point. That, you know, that was magical because it, what nobody expected that, right? But I think it also was right, right? Like, you should have another... You're one of the greatest shortstops of all time. You should have another inning at shortstop where everybody can watch you and there's no pressure. Uh, I totally agree. And, and I guess it was 2001, actually, not 2002. It wasn't Miller Park. It was the year before that. Close but, enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was in, yeah, I was in Seattle. And then, then Chen Ho Park grooved him a fastball because, like, here you go. Have fun with it. You know, like, I'm going to let you try to do something special. And since they, they turned the All-Star game back into an exhibition-only game with nothing at stake, which it should be, um, this makes even more sense, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like the, yeah. When it was like this time, it counts nonsense. It's like, okay, well like it actually, like if you're managing the Ulster game, you're probably on a team that's good and you're going to be wanting home field advantage in the world series. You're not putting the husk of Miguel Cabrera or Robert Pujols <laughs> into the lineup. And they're actually both still like actually somewhat productive players. They're just not anything close to what they were. Like Miguel Cabrera still hits for average, but has no power left. But it's like, you can put that guy in or you can put in like, Giancarlo Stanton, right? It's like, hmm, tough call. Yeah. But 
well, he's a starter, but whatever. Um, but with this version, yeah, those guys should get at bats and they should get the chance to say goodbye. Yeah, again, and they will, that, which is that, awesome. It's great. That that's going to be a very genuine curtain call, right? When they walk off the field, and the manager can can make sure that they walk off the field at the end of a you know during an inning, make a defensive change in the middle of an inning, and they can get that applause. That's an acknowledgement of their entire career. So for, from a from a marketing standpoint, why the heck haven't we done this before? Is <laughs> what I'm asking. Very good question. All right, uh, that question is never going to have an appropriate answer either. Uh, but I am going to ask you, do you have a final thought? That question has an answer just about every time we podcast. Yeah, it usually does. Yeah. Um, this off day. So the Jays finish up the series with Seattle with the game today and again tomorrow. This is again, Saturday morning. We're recording this and then they have an off day. And I think that that could be exactly like we talked about this, like the biggest thing that Jays could possibly need just so they can rest their relievers. And this means that they don't have to worry about Yusei Kikuchi's spot in the rotation. I think that's the other big one because they open, they, they come out of this. Well, at least initially they don't because they come out of this with six games and then the all-star break. So they'll need a spot starter on the 16th against the Royals, but it's better to have that than having him to pitch against the Phillies who are just a much better hitting team. Well, depending on who shows up because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually is so the secondary final thought so the, the Phillies apparently gonna have a lot of guys not coming because of COVID it actually hurt the Jays in a way because they reshuffled their rotation so Zach Wheeler could pitch in the series as opposed to someone who wasn't going to be able to travel so now the Jays get to see the Phillies best starter when they weren't going to uh, well you can't have it all right like what are you going to do um, they're, they're the final thought is there a final thought? I guess my final thought would be there was a time when the management of this team was sort of a part of the thing I was afraid of at this part of the season when they were a competitive team, but not, you know, at the top of the division or whatever. And management was just going to wait around for, you know, guys to come back from injury and it to get better. Shapiro and Adkins have demonstrated over and over again that if they can get help, they do, right? They made trades at every every time of the season under any circumstance to try and make the team better. So I have confidence that there, if there is a decent deal to get done that doesn't give away next year, because obviously this is going to be a contending team next year. These are very young players. Um, I have confidence that they're actually going to get that deal done, which is is actually a comforting feeling, all things considered, where we've been the last decade and a half. Um, so I, I look forward to finding out what that deal is, even if it isn't necessarily what we expect. Okay. And which is to say that you have been Joshua Houseman and Joshua Houseman and I have been Greg Wisniewski and Coolhead 2010 and this this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 240 and we will talk at you I'm going to say this with confidence next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>